If I had to have a guy in this playoff, based on how they've played this year, it's Max Duggan one, Stetson Bennett two, CJ Stroud three, JJ McCarthy four. Always College Football with Greg McElroy is presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hello and welcome in. It's a Wednesday edition here on December 28th. We hope you're enjoying the show wherever you're getting the show, whether that's on the podcast, via Apple or Spotify, or if you're here with us on the ESPN YouTube channel, please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out. We really appreciate your interaction that you've given us so far. And we've really enjoyed it really the last couple of weeks too. Even when everyone's on holiday, man, we so appreciate you guys being with us and spending time talking a little college football every single day. Big game plan here today as we're going to dive into kind of the thick of the bowl season. Got a lot of games coming up here in the next few days that are big time, big time matchups. You got Oregon and North Carolina. You got Sark after dark involving Texas and Washington. You got Oklahoma and Florida State. We have some big brands that are taking the field here in the next couple days. So we're going to break down some of those games. I'm going to give you full previews and take everything I'm saying right now, by the way, with the tiniest bit of a grain of salt. Now, we're going to talk about factual endeavors that these things and these teams have accomplished this year, but we're also... The guy could opt out at the last second. So take some of this stuff with a slight grain of salt and if you hit me up via social media at always CFB, if you hit us up there and you tell us, well, you, this guy's hurt. He's not playing. I, we're doing the best we can. <laughs> this is difficult to keep up with. And if you don't believe me, ask the coaches because the coaches don't even know who's going in some of these games. So take it with a slight grain of salt. We'll get you as up to speed as we can. But I want to talk about what these teams might be at their best as opposed to what they might look like if a guy opts out here or there. So regardless of what the circumstances are, we're going to talk about them at their best. Hear me when I say that, at their best. So assuming everybody goes, that's how we're going to try to break these games down. You good with that? All right, beautiful. Let's not waste any time. It's time for Let's Talk About It, presented by AT&T 5G. This episode is brought to you by AT&T, official sponsor of the College Football Playoff. Is checking your team's stats at 2 a.m., watching highlights while eating with buddies, or catching the game during a wedding all too much? Nope, because too much college football is never too much. And AT&T 5G keeps you connected all season long. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See AT&T.com slash 5G for you for details. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. All right, let's get things started with the AutoZone Liberty Bowl from Memphis. This game will be 5.30 Eastern time tonight. So get ready. It's going to be awesome. How about this? This might be a surprising statistic. Kansas against Arkansas. First ever bowl meeting between the two teams, but it's actually the third meeting overall. Do you know what the record is? Any of you guys care to take a guess or a stab at it? Just knowing the history and the success of both programs, relatively speaking, 
who do you think has more wins against the other? If they've played twice already, you think Arkansas has beat Kansas twice? No. <laughs> Kansas is 2-0 and all time against Arkansas, trying to get to 3-0. and All right, Kansas actually has fared pretty well in bowl games in the past. They're 6-6 six and six all time, but they've won three straight. However, it's the first time they've been in a bowl in 14 years. This would be the first winning season for the Jayhawks since 2008. If victorious, it would also be the Jayhawks' fifth win against a Power 5 program this year. In the five years combined, the five previous years combined, they had five FBS Power 5 wins. Power 5 wins in five years. Five and five. They could have five if victorious tonight. We all know what this team is all about. They want to try to run the football. Devin Neal, of course, excellent. Has done a great job all season long. He's already over 1,000 yards. They have done a great job in creating a little bit of balance, obviously. They've had different quarterbacks in the lineup, but Jalen Daniels now back here for the bowl game. Very excited about his potential, and you know motivation is always massive when it comes to the bowl games. Motivation is definitely going to be on the side of the Kansas Jayhawks. However, you look at kind of everything. Arkansas... This is their sixth appearance in the Liberty Bowl. It's the most all-time. They're two and three in their previous five trips to play in the postseason in Memphis. Arkansas is great when it comes to attacking the quarterback, right? They have 39 sacks this year. That's the fifth most in the FBS. It's also one shy of the record set for the school back in 1998. So one sack of Daniels and Arkansas will be arguably the best pass-rushing Razorback defense of all time. They're also going to be without their top pass rusher, Drew Sanders, who decided to pursue the NFL draft. So, do have to replace some key pieces there on the defensive side. Offensively speaking, though, Raheem Sanders, Rocket Sanders, an incredible season, nearly 1,500 yards rushing. He's just 151 rushing yards shy of Alex Collins, who's the third most rushing yards ever in the history of Arkansas's program. If he can reach 100 yards in the bowl game, it will be his eighth 100-yard game of the season. That's the third most in a single season in school history. And then at quarterback, of course, K.J. Jefferson, over 5,500 career passing yards. It's the eighth most in program history. But he has had his fair share of ups and downs this year, has been a little bit beat up has been a little bit inconsistent, but hopefully he can finish on a high note by putting together a nice performance in the bowl game. I think Kansas in this game probably going to have a slight edge, a slight edge because of you know they're going to be fired up to be there, but ultimately Arkansas has more talent. It's also going to be interesting too, defensively Arkansas, what are they going to look like? What are they going to be defensively? A couple guys that they'll be playing without, guys that have been the backbone of that team. I like Kansas in the game, but ultimately, man, if Arkansas shows up and wants to be there, I think they have a chance to potentially control the line of scrimmage offensively in a game that should be very high scoring. Moving on to the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. This game is going to be tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern time. This game's coming to you live from San Diego, California, one of the best cities in America. And this used to be, by the way, one of my favorite bowl games. It used to be Big 12, Pac-12. 
Now it's ACC and Pac-12, but still should have some fireworks in this one. Oregon taking on North Carolina. We all know what Drake May has been for North Carolina this year. However, North Carolina, of course, down the stretch, didn't play their best football. They need to be able to pick it up on both sides of the ball. And they made a living all year long by outscoring opponents. That's kind of what they were. Now, the defense did at times show signs of improvement. But if the offense doesn't play their A game, they don't win. They might need their A game in this particular game. Oregon's defense is somewhat gettable, especially on third and long. Giving up third and long, meaning third and seven plus, they give up 67% completion. That's 126th in college football. They've given up 20 first downs by way of the pass. That's tied for 103. They have given up five passing touchdowns on third and longs. That's tied for 126. And they're allowing a staggering 11.7 yards per attempt. That's 130th in college football. So Oregon has been really good on first and second down at times this year. However, if Drake May and company are still sitting in third and long, they're going to have their hands full, Oregon is, with this passing attack. You look at some of the other pieces too that Drake May has at his disposal. Obviously, very talented core at wide receivers, even if it's at less than 100%. Like I said, though, Drake May, the last three games, just not the same. They've been getting more aggressive. Teams have been pressuring. And if you look at his performances in the last three weeks, not the same guy. Completion percentage dropped from 70 to 59. Yards per attempt dropped from 9.5 to 5.8. Touchdown to interception ratio, 11.3. Now it's pretty much even. Interception rate up from 0.8% to 3.3%. So, he needs to get back to playing the way he did in the first 10 games and North Carolina will be in great shape. But if he doesn't, they will struggle because that defense, which is giving up 31 points per game, which is the worst among any team that has nine or more wins this year, they're going to have a hard time with Bo Nix and company. If you look at what the Ducks have been, there are just six instances in college football since 2004 where a player has recorded 25 passing touchdowns and 15 rushing touchdowns through their first 13 games of the season. Bo Nix has 27 passing touchdowns and 14 rushing touchdowns. If he can score on the ground against North Carolina, he'll join pretty elite company. Jalen Hurts in 2019, Heisman runner-up. Lamar Jackson in 16 and in 17, Heisman Trophy winner. Johnny Manziel in 2012, Heisman Trophy winner. Cam Newton, 2010, Heisman Trophy winner. 2007, Tim Tebow, Heisman Trophy winner. Four Heisman Trophy winners and a Heisman Trophy runner-up have accomplished that feat. That puts things in perspective when you look at what Bo Nix has accomplished this season for the Oregon Ducks. They are great on the offensive side of the football, but Bo Nix, of course, a little bit banged up down the stretch, a little bit less than 100%. But 
But let's hope that he goes and let's hope that he plays and is available for the Oregon Ducks here in the final game of the regular season. Should be an outstanding contest. I like Oregon because I like Oregon on defense a little bit more. Now, Drake May has all the goods that you could possibly want, but I want to see him revert back to what he did in the early part of the year. Not the same guy the last three weeks. I think he's going to be somewhere in the middle, maybe not quite as elite as he was at the beginning. Maybe drop it down just a hair because going against quality competition and Dan Landing is going to have plenty of time to prepare for that passing attack. So I like Oregon to win the game. I think it'll be a great one there in San Diego. The Tax Act Bowl, this will be coming to us again tonight here, 9 o'clock Eastern time from Houston, Texas. Texas Tech taking on Ole Miss. Texas Tech comes in with one of the best passing offenses in the Big 12. They're averaging over 300 passing yards per game this year. That's the most in the Big 12. And they're one of just 13 FBSC, FBS teams this year that are averaging over 300 yards passing per game. On the other side, Ole Miss, one of the best rushing attacks in the country. They're averaging 262 rushing yards per game. That's the third most in the FBS, and the most among Power 5 programs. They also have 105 rushes that went for 10 or more yards, so it's a very explosive rushing attack. That 105 rushes, that's 10 more than any team in the FBS. That's pretty rare air. When you're being mentioned alongside all-time greats, that tells you all you need to know, and the kid's just a freshman. He's going to be better, more explosive, more physical here in the years to come. The Rebels, however, have struggled on the defensive side of the football. They're giving up a lot of yards after contact. They're one of the worst. When you think about how these guys are playing on the defensive side, they're going to have their hands full against a passing attack that is going to come at them over and over and over again. Tyler Shuck does a pretty dang good job. There with Texas Tech. They've had some issues at quarterback. Guys have come in and out. Guys have been banged up. Shuck missed some time. Guys have missed some time, what have you. But when Shuck is going, he is very, very solid. Ole Miss is going to be great too as far as creating yards as well. I think you look at just how we talked about how that they're not great in giving up yards after contact. They're also great in creating yards after contact. They're really, I mean, you think about Quinchon Judkins, just how many guys, how many tackles he forces to be missed, 62 missed tackles this season. That's the seventh most in the FBS. So it's going to be an outstanding game. I actually think it's going to be a very high-scoring game between Texas Tech and Ole Miss, two teams that aren't awful on defense, but certainly two teams that want to win by lighting up the scoreboard. I like Ole Miss. Why? Because I like the rushing attack over the passing attack. A team that can consistently run the football, to me, is always going to be front and center. Plus, Ole Miss started the season with a bang, man. They were rolling there in the early going. Now they've really kind of limped their way to the finish line. I think a lot of that had to do with some of the confusion about whether or not Lane Kiffin was going to go to Auburn. He decided not to. That felt like a distraction in the final two or three weeks of the season. So now that he has reaffirmed his commitment to Oxford, he's reaffirmed his commitment to Ole Miss, you got to think you're going to get a spirited effort from Ole Miss because they have a bad taste in their mouth with how they played down the stretch. Texas Tech's been a great story, and I think the future is bright, but I like Ole Miss at this point here in the Texas Bowl. Moving on to a game that'll be played tomorrow afternoon. That's the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. This game kicks off tomorrow 
at two o'clock Eastern time. Naturally, it's in the Bronx. It's right there at Yankee Stadium. Syracuse taking on Minnesota. Now, Sean Tucker has had another stellar year for Syracuse. He's rushed for over 1,000 yards. He's got the third most rushing yards in the ACC. In his career, he's rushed for nearly 3,200 yards and needs 243 rushing yards to pass Walter Reyes as the second all-time in Syracuse history. So it's been a great, great career for Sean Tucker, and he has been really the main reason why this offense has had any semblance of success over the last couple of years. Now, you look at the way things have gone for Syracuse this year. It's really been a tale of two seasons for Syracuse. I mean, starting the season red hot, they're 6-0, and they're ranked, they're playing great. They give Clemson all they want. They're on the road. And man, since that point, it's been quite the fall from grace, finishing just 1-5. and I think you look at this team, really, first six games outscoring opponents by nearly 23 points per game. The final six games being outscored by nearly 7.7. So very disappointing finish on the season for Syracuse. But you got to think they're going to try to put their best foot forward and cap off a season that was pretty dang special, at least in the early going, with a win to get them to 8-5. and That would be a pretty good year for Dino Babers and the Orange. On the other side, you have some guys that will be playing their final game of their college career. Tanner Morgan... Things are kind of up in the air with him. He missed the final two games, been a little bit banged up, missed four games this year. Ethan Kaliakmanis took over for him and been starting in his place. When Morgan has started this year, the Gophers have gone six and two. When Kaliakmanis has been the guy, they've gone just two and two, scoring under Kaliakmanis 20 points per game under Tanner Morgan over 32 points per game. So going to be very, very, very important to make sure that Minnesota's at 100% at quarterback. Tanner Morgan, of course, has been there for a very long time, has played a lot of football. Hopefully, he can go in the final game of his college career. But we all know that this offense runs almost exclusively through Mo Ibrahim. He's one of the best backs in America. He's also been one of the best stories in America coming back from that torn Achilles from last year. He this year... Prior to the win win against Wisconsin, he'd rushed for 100 yards in every game this season and had done so in 19 straight games dating back to the 2019 season. That's the longest streak by any FBS player in 25 years. Now, he fell short of the 100-yard mark against Wisconsin. He rushed for just 70 yards on 27 carries. But when you think about the fact that he had 100 yards rushing in 19 consecutive games, that is absurd. Minnesota is in a position here to play against a team that's desperate for a win, desperate to finish their season on a high note. But ultimately, man, when you look at Minnesota, they've never entered a bowl game as a favorite of more than six points. Right now, they're way north of that. (laughs) Okay, So when you look at where they're at, Minnesota has not been in this position before, being such a heavy favorite in a bowl game. And Syracuse has not performed very well against the spread in their last five games. They're 0-5 against the spread. So history would indicate that this game's going to be sideways in favor of Minnesota. That's the way I see it. I just think their defense is way too much. And I think Syracuse's offense has been really inconsistent, especially down the stretch. I think Syracuse's defense will keep them in it. 
they'll hang in there. But ultimately, I think Minnesota is going to be just a little bit better on both lines of scrimmage, which ultimately will give them the victory. All right, let's move along now to the Cheez-It Bowl. This game will be 5.30 Eastern time tomorrow from Orlando, Florida. An interesting matchup, a great helmet matchup with Oklahoma taking on Florida State. Two storied brands, two storied programs, but one team has exceeded expectations this year. That's Florida State. One team has been painfully disappointing in Brent Venables' first season. Now, Oklahoma really has not played well this year. They're trying to avoid finishing under 500 for the first time since 1998. Entering this year, they had gone 23 consecutive seasons over 500. That's the second longest active streak in the FBS. Anyone having any clue what the longest active streak is? You might be surprised because I was when I read this stat for the very first time. Boise State has the longest active streak over 500 in consecutive seasons. They're at 24 consecutive seasons. Oklahoma's at 23, of course, with a victory. That streak will be extended. But behind that, Wisconsin's at 20, Oklahoma State's at 16, and then Alabama currently is sitting at 14. Look, I think it'd be very difficult to try to tell you right now that Oklahoma things are not going to be better down the road. Like they've already gone out. They've attacked the portal. Things look pretty good from a recruiting standpoint. I feel like the future is still very bright for Oklahoma, but my goodness, this has been a very, very disappointing season for Brent Venables in trying to replace Lincoln Riley. You look at the offense, that's probably the most troubling difference. You look at what they were from 2017 to 2021. Oklahoma was first in points per game, first in yards per play, first in yards per rush, second in yards per game, third in passing yards per game. I mean, top three in basically every offensive category from 2017 to 2021. Well, here in 2022, 35th in points per game, 30th in yards per play, 18th in yards per game, 29th in yards per rush, and 45th in passing yards per game. Now, in fairness, they haven't always been at 100%. Dylan Gabriel's missed some time. Davis Bevel was thrust into the lineup against Texas. Like They've had their fair share of challenges, but either way, the offense under Jeff Lebby has not taken flight like many people anticipated, self-included. I thought they'd be better on offense this year than what they've been up to this point. On the other side, Florida State comes in having won five consecutive games. And I might add, it hasn't been particularly competitive in many of those games. They've outscored the last five opponents by an average of 28 points per game. It tells you exactly where they're at. That's the largest points per game margin in the FBS since the turn of the calendar from October to November. So nobody has played better in November than Florida State. You look at exactly where they're at. They're outscoring teams, like I said, 28.2. The next best is Utah at 24.4. The third best, shockingly enough, New Mexico State at 22.6. Florida State, if you look at where they're at, both offensively and defensively, it'd be great to be able to point to one specific reason why they've won all these games. But really, it's on both sides of the ball. They've done a great job on offense. They've done a great job on defense. That's why these games, for the most part, 
have gotten sideways. They're third in points per game on offense. They're seventh in points per game on defense allowed. They're 12th in yards per game on offense. They're fifth in yards per game on defense allowed. They're 13th in yards per play on offense. They're eighth in yards per play on defense given up. And then in third down conversion percentage, very important statistic in today's day and age of college football, staying, keeping drives alive, staying on the field. And then of course on defense, getting off the field, second in third down conversion percentage in the final five games of the year, 12th getting off the field defensively. So they have been great. And I'm telling you, the guy that needs to be talked about a whole heck of a lot more than he is, is Jordan Travis. So I look at Florida State too. It's not all about the quarterback passing attack. They have good weapons. He's going to throw it. Man, they can run the rock. They've rushed for 200 yards or more in seven consecutive games. It's the longest streak in school history. So I think you look at what Florida State is, the momentum that they have coming into the bowl season. I think Oklahoma will put up a fight, and I actually think it'll be a game for a half. But in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, I see the Seminoles starting to pull away and ultimately putting an exclamation point on what's been an incredible season for Mike Norvell and the Seminoles. Finally, we'll talk about the Valero Alamo Bowl. This will be tomorrow night at 9 o'clock Eastern time, or some people have called it Sark after dark, right? Late game, former school for Sark, current school for Sark. I mean, this thing's just right themselves, does it not? Washington enters this game seeking their fifth 11-win season in program history and their first since winning 12 games the year they made the college football playoff. That was back in 2016. What a great year for Kalen DeBoer. And the 10 wins are the most by a first-year coach in program history. And they've done so against quality competition. 3-0 and against AP top 25 opponents this year. With a win against Texas, it would tie the school record for most wins versus AP opponents in a single season. Now, the Longhorns, they have four losses this year, all of which have come by seven points or fewer. They have played close in so many games. Of course, many have talked about the TCU game. Many have talked about the Alabama game. They've had a bunch of close calls this year. They were in full control against Texas Tech, only to come up short after being up 14 points in the second half of that football game. Texas Tech put together a furious rally to win the game in overtime. So if you look at what Texas has been this year, been a lot of positives, but finish has been probably the biggest biggest point of emphasis. Of course, they had moments too, and the Oklahoma State game didn't play great in that game and yet still had a chance. Of course, Oklahoma State, the wheels came off after that game. So Texas, I think, is really solid. At 100%, Texas is very, very solid. The problem is we're not 100% sure just how close to 100% they're going to be. Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson, they're the straws that stir the drink offensively for Texas. And so much of what they try to do offensively is predicated off of play action. Well, if the threat of the run isn't there, will there still be a huge impact on the secondary defenders, the safeties, the linebackers for Washington? That, I think, is something that's going to be very, very interesting. I also think, too, when you look at Washington, man, they have some dudes along the front that people don't know enough about, but I'm telling you, they can flat out get after you. And if they get chances to go against Texas's tackles in one-on-one situations, then you really better buckle up if you're 
a Texas Longhorn fan. Braylon Trice is the name that you need to know when you watch him. He is a dominant edge defender. He's number eight. You can't miss him. And if he's in a one-on-one situation against your tackles, look out. (laughs) You got major issues, but he will press the pocket and make it very uncomfortable for Quinn Ewers as he drops back to pass. It's going to be really interesting. I think really interesting to see exactly what happens with Texas. It could be a glimpse into the future. Could be big time glimpse into the future because they're going to have some young players that are stepping into pivotal roles. Naturally, when you're without two of your best players, you're going to have to do an awful lot. And then defensively, being without overshown is also a significant loss. So looking at Texas, a lot of things that they need to account for. And if for whatever reason their offense isn't playing great, they're going to be in some trouble because when you look at what they're going up against on the other side, Washington's offense has been one of the best in America this year in so many remarkable categories. Averaging 41 points per game, that's the fourth most in college football. Averaging 522 yards per game, that's the second most in college football. 377 passing yards per game, that's number one. Third down conversion percentage, they convert on 57% of their third down attempts. That's a ridiculous number, I might add. That is first in college football. So statistically speaking, one of the best teams in America when it comes to putting together offense, especially offense through the year. Best QBR against AP-ranked opponents this year. Number one is Stetson Bennett. His QBR and record is 3-0 against AP-ranked opponents. His QBR is 98. Caleb Williams... 90 is his QBR. His record is 2-2. Two and two. Hendon Hooker, 89 is his QBR. His record is 5-1. and one. CJ Stroud, 86 is his QBR. His record is 2-1. and one. And then Michael Penix, he's at 86 as well alongside CJ Stroud. Against top-tier competition, he's 3-0. and oh. And when you look at their offensive line and the way he's able to get the ball out, I think what's most impressive with how much they drop back and the volume with which they try to throw the ball with, the fact that he's been sacked just five times and 518 dropbacks is pretty ridiculous. Three of those five sacks came in Washington's two losses. He doesn't get pressured very often. They've done a great job up front in keeping him upright and making sure the ball comes out of his hands really quickly. Got some excellent receivers on the perimeter, two guys that have gone for over a thousand, Adunzi and McMillan, both of which guys that can really take the top off the defense. They're going to get their opportunities. Both combined for nearly 2,100, over 2,100 receiving yards and 15 receiving touchdowns. So, should be an excellent game, an excellent matchup between the two. I like Washington. I think they are more motivated. I think they have better pieces. Their roster is closer to 100%. More guys are available for Washington and Lions, Tigers, and tailgates. Oh my, the college football season is always a great time of year. Besides the jerseys, the face paint, and the foam fingers, there's the food. And nothing gets you more fired up for game day than Eckrich smoked sausage. They're naturally hardwood smoked and have the perfect blend of spices. From buffalo sausage dip, sausage, chili, mac, and cheese, Eckridge smoked sausage is a quick way to bring flavor to all your tailgate meals. Visit Eckridge.com for easy, one-of-a-kind sausage recipes. Eckridge, you do you. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ultimately, I think if they can score the way I think they're going to be able to score, I'm not sure Texas is going to be able to keep up. Give me Washington. Take care of business in the Alamo Bowl. All right, great breaking down some of those games, but it's now time to turn our attention to some of the incredible questions we get from you. So, Coops, let's dive into the mailbag. All right, first question comes from Johnny in New York. Greg, do you think Ohio State fans will show up in Atlanta and even the obvious home field advantage? Absolutely, man. Ohio State fans are fired up because they feel as though the performance against Michigan was a fluke. They feel as though they still have arguably the best team in America, and they know that they have to support their team. Plus, I don't know about y'all. I lived in Charlotte. I've spent a lot of time in South Carolina. I feel like every person that lives in South Carolina is an Ohio State fan. Y'all that live there, y'all know, and we see the numbers, like who downloads the podcast. We have a lot of listeners and a lot of watchers and viewers from South Carolina. Y'all know that you are cohabitating with a ridiculous amount of Buckeyes. I don't know why that is, but I can tell you this, the Buckeyes will be felt. I don't know if it'll be 50-50. I would imagine it probably will be, especially knowing that last time that I can recall, I remember the Buckeyes, and I'll never forget this. This was 2014 in the semifinal game against Alabama. First opportunity that we ever saw, really, a college football playoff environment. It was in New Orleans, right? And I remember vividly being there thinking, goodness gracious alive, this is an awful lot of scarlet (laughs) and gray, right? Like I have seen a lot of Buckeye fans. They were throughout the entire city. They were there, man. At that point, Bama was like a two-touchdown favorite. So a lot of people associated with Alabama felt as though that thing was going to get sideways. As a result, they were probably outnumbered two to one in the street and felt like in the building, they were in some ways outnumbered two to one as well. So I think the Buckeye fans are definitely going to show up and I would anticipate that being a great scene in Atlanta for the Peach Bowl. All right. Funny you mentioned 2014 because this next question reminded me of that. Um, it's from Joe in North Carolina. He says, I'm a Georgia fan and I'm torn. Should I go to ATL for the semifinal game against Ohio state or roll the dice and buy my ticket in LA? I can only do one. What should I do? Oh man. (laughs) As someone that has already booked his ticket to LA, uh, I would get out in front of that quickly. Um, even if you don't win that game, at least you can use the ticket credit elsewhere. I, It's a difficult question, right? You have the bird in the hand versus the bird in the bush. Like, do you really want to roll the dice and buy a game, buy a ticket to a game that you're not sure that your team is participating in? I don't know if I would do that. (laughs) I think that I would go to Atlanta and I would enjoy it. I would make the most of the trip. I would make the most of the opportunity. The only unfortunate thing for Georgia fans is that they have played in that building, that venue. This will be the third time this year. Remember, they played Oregon in that venue early going. Then they played in the SEC championship game. Now 
get a chance in the bowl game to go back. So a little bit different atmosphere, obviously, in LA. And I will admit, as someone that just recently called a game in SoFi Stadium, the stadium alone might be worth the trip. But knowing that a national championship, in addition to the stadium, is going to be there, plus the last time I was there, it was like 75 degrees and sunny. So LA is always going to be top of mind. I, for one, if I had to pick one, I would go to LA. Even if my team isn't playing in it, LA in January, it's difficult to beat, especially if you're hanging out around Santa Monica or West LA, man, that's the ticket. So I'd go to LA knowing that I've been to Atlanta twice already, and I would just keep my fingers crossed and pray that George is victorious on the 31st so I can watch my team when I'm there in the sunshine of California. All right, last one here, Jake in Los Angeles. How would you rank the quarterbacks in the college football playoff in order of who you want leading your team? Okay. Well, one, it's a difficult question. So you have four guys, right? Stetson Bennett, CJ Stroud, Max Duggan, and JJ McCarthy. I would go based on how they've played this year, the seasons that they've had, and I think just the will to win that is on display You're going to think I'm crazy here. I'd go Max Duggan one, Stetson Bennett two, CJ Stroud three, and then four, I'd go with JJ McCarthy. Now you're going to say, well, hang on a second, CJ Stroud three? Well, we're talking about two guys that have showcased the ability to make off-schedule plays, talking about two guys that have showcased the ability to run when necessary against a guy that really has to have perfect protection for him to be at his best. Now, that's not no disrespect at all to CJ Stroud. I think each of the top three guys should have and were Heisman Trophy finalists. Like, so I, it's not as if there's really anything to discredit when it comes to the top three guys, but somebody has to come in third. And frankly, CJ Stroud, the last time out, didn't play great. I think he's a gifted player. I think he's a really, really talented thrower. And if All three guys that are the draft, CJ Stroud would go three or four rounds before the other two. But either way, if I had to have a guy in this playoff based on how they've played this year, it's Max Duggan one, Stetson Bennett two, CJ Stroud three, JJ McCarthy four. All right, final thought, y'all buckle up, man. We are in the heart of bowl season. We have games kicking off just a couple hours from now. So soak it up, enjoy it, and don't let anybody tell you that bowl games don't matter. These games matter. If any of these teams come out and lay a massive egg a la Florida a couple weeks ago when they lost 30-3 to and only scored those three points with 30 seconds left, they lay an egg like that, there's going to be some splaining that needs to be done here over the next seven or eight months before they take the field again. So buckle up and enjoy the action today because we have some great games today, some great games tomorrow, which sets up, obviously, a ridiculously good weekend coming up here in college football. Thanks so much for being with us. Please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out, and it really helps the show out. Whether it's on the ESPN YouTube channel, or if you're here with us via the podcast, thank you so much. Tell your friends too. We don't have a marketing budget, so tell your friends. Word of mouth is massive in this game. And give us a follow on our social media, at AlwaysCFB on Instagram and Twitter. We'll be pushing content on our social media here in the next few days like we have all season, but it's going to be a really good, solid place to interact with the show 
in the future. We're going to start using more mailbag questions from our social media, so submit them there, or you can submit them at alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. So we really appreciate you being with us, to coming to us from wherever it is you're coming to us from. It's been an awesome show, and it will be an awesome week with so many games to look forward to here over the next couple days. This has been Always College Football with Greg McElroy, presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G.